I always talk about Karen Ducasse, and she said something on the show that I think about every single time I record. And she said, getting to midlife means giving yourself permission. And she finally sat down to write her novel when the fear of not doing it well was replaced by the fear of not doing it at all. Welcome to Reinvention After 50, a Brand 50 podcast where we interview a large spectrum of entrepreneurs that have started their businesses later in life. Learn, be inspired, and get motivated by their stories so that you can take your life's experiences and turn them into your next venture. And now your hosts, Robert Erie Artboard and Stephanie O'Dell. Welcome everyone to Reinvention After 50, a Brand 50 podcast. And once again, we have Stephanie O'Dell doing an awesome interview with Katie Fogarty who is a a broadcast journalist. That was her career. So tell us, uh, it was interesting how you met her. You actually met her because you were on her podcast. So why don't you explain that a little bit? Yeah, where, you know, the 50 plus arena of women that are trying to kind of change what aging looks like, you kind of come across each other uh, and find out about each other. And one of the things I think you and I have talked about is this collaborative opportunity and this is something she interviewed me for my or her podcast and then we had such a great conversation and I love what she's trying to do she's really trying to change the narrative that I invited her to be on brand 50 with me so it's kind of great to continue the conversation that we started on her podcast yeah and what I liked so when I when I was editing the editing the podcast there was a point I was I think she said about eight years ago where you know her kids were younger and she just wanted more free time she was doing a lot of freelance stuff and you know fortunately she was getting a lot of work but it was pulling her in all these different directions and then she really niched down to just doing one thing was doing linkedin profiles right and she's naturally a storyteller because she was in broadcast journalism so she helped people tell their story on linkedin i thought that was fascinating especially in this day and age where she mentions that everyone gets vetted if you want to ask somebody to be on your podcast or a show, if you just give them, send them an email, then they don't know who you are. But right away, if you go on your LinkedIn profile, they can tell everything about you and they can tell if you're reputable or not. Right, and I think it circles back to conversations that as we age, we think we don't add value or we're not relevant anymore. That if you can kind of redefine that story in a more modern way and realize the strengths you have, can be powerful for you in in your career. So she helps people do that. But then she also, like you touched on such a love of storytelling that the women she meets along the way, she she tells their stories a little bit more in depthly on her podcast, A Certain Age. Right. And that and the podcast, A Certain Age podcast came because of some of the interviews or the people she was talking to doing LinkedIn profiles, especially high executive CEOs and they're concerned that they're going to be aged out and that that didn't sit right with Katie and that's what got her to do certain age podcasts so explain a little bit of how she made that jump I, I think you kind of have those aha moments of this story resonated with me and I want to share these stories of other women so she educated herself about podcasting and you know connected with an engineer and you know again those things that she didn't have strengths in she found people to help her she is also a big personality so she's able to all those things that she loved in her past careers she's been able to put into place in this new career that she's doing yeah and she has some very sage advice for anyone that's starting a podcast hire an audio engineer (laughs) 
<laughs> you like that one, don't you, Robert? Yeah. She mentioned audio engineers three times in one podcast. It's like, oh, yeah, she knows what she's talking about. No, but she was talking about hiring an actual engineer, and that just made her commit. You know? Yeah, exactly. She, she, she had a quote about uh, throw the hat over the fence or uh, over the wall. Yeah. Like if you, throw, if, you throw the, if you throw the hat over the wall, you have no choice but to climb the wall to get it back. So she basically just committed to yeah. paying for it. and. Yeah. And sometimes we, you know, that stops us from doing it. Well, I don't have, I don't know how to engineer it. I, you know, there are people out there that that's what they love to do and willing to help. And so, yeah, I, I think sh that's great advice for people that are thinking about podcasting or thinking about anything really. Well, let's just dive in. Let's listen into your conversation with Katie. Hi, I'm Stephanie O'Dell here with Brand 50 Podcast, and I'm thrilled to have Katie Fogarty today. Of a, She's the host of Podcast A Certain Age, but she's also a career coach. And um, I was fortunate enough to be on Katie's podcast, A Certain Age, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I'm just really love the work she's doing. And we've had a few conversations, and I want to continue that conversation today about collaboration and what it looks like to be a midlife woman. Uh, and I know you've added podcasting on to your already successful career coach career. So welcome. I'm thrilled to have you here today. Thank you. It's exciting to be in the guest seat. I was going to say one host to another <laughs> host, but I wondered how often you get to be in the guest seat and um, if it feels a little different or it's kind of exciting to be able to, to tell your own story and not have to ask the questions. Yeah, I, you know, I, I love doing both. I love hearing people's stories, asking the questions, but I also love sharing what I've learned. And I'm, I'm excited to be with you today, Stephanie. Thanks for the invitation. Of course. Um, well, tell us a little bit about your career. I know you started career coach in your 40s, but what were you doing before then? And what kind of led you to that? And then how did you pivot into adding podcasting? I have had a you know twenty plus you know probably thirty years at this point a career in communications. I have a master's in broadcast journalism. I used to write the morning news in New York. I have worked for CNN Financial News, and I've worked for some big and small PR firms. So I have been telling news stories. I've been telling the stories of clients um, for a number of years, and probably eight or nine years ago now. I started doing freelance work. It, it um, worked with my personal life. I had three kids who are, who are now 21, 18, and 14, but you know, eight years ago or much younger, and I wanted flexibility. So I was a freelancer, and I was doing all sorts of writing work. I was creating website copy. I was creating brochures. I was creating marketing collateral, and I felt really overextended. So I decided to drill down and focus on one core product. And that product was uh, LinkedIn profiles. And I did that because I love sharing people's stories. And this was right around the time that LinkedIn was becoming incredibly important part of your career toolkit, right? You needed to have a strong LinkedIn presence in order to network, job hunt, and advocate for your career, your company, and your priorities. And I really built a consulting co company around this. Even though I started off doing sort of one-to-one -one engagements, ultimately I expanded my offerings. My clients said, come in and train my team. I started doing workshops. And what had started off as a sort of a one-to-one -one consulting business grew into a coaching and training company. I was going into places like Google, American Express, um, Dow Jones, uh, a host of very large companies, Capital One, to offer workshops and training. So 
that, that uh, really exploded. And it's interesting because part of my, my career um, coaching work uh, made me realize that a lot of senior executives, a lot of you know, uh, professionals with long established careers were really concerned about uh, ageism in their industries mm-hmm. and sh- shining a spotlight on their expertise. And so that's what caused me to launch A Certain Age. I, it's a podcast that shines an age positive spotlight on midlife. The, um, you know, the clients that I work with, the, the women in my own life are up to incredible things in midlife. And the, the steady drumbeat of fear that I was starting to hear from clients about ageism and about remaining relevant and marketable was starting to depress me. And I thought, like, I really want to have a different conversation around aging. I want to be talking to people who are aging out loud, you know, who are sharing their college dates on their LinkedIn, who are sharing their college graduation dates on their resume, you know, who aren't dropping decades of older jobs in order yeah. to appear younger. Um, and so that's really what led me. So the two sort of go hand in glove. You know, I'm telling people stories and I'm helping uh, tell the stories of women who are shifting the narrative around what it means to age in, in our culture. Well, I want to circle back to the LinkedIn. I know for older women, we lose focus. And a lot of us have left careers to raise kids and we think none of our experience is relevant or marketable. And do you find that a lot with the 50 plus woman or? Is yeah, that I think shifted? you find this with women of any age. Anyone who has stepped off the career track, and I'm, I put myself in that camp, and my oldest daughter is 21. So when I became a mom 21 years ago, I left and re-entered the paid workforce twice. And I know how hard it is to um, get back on the track. I know how hard it is to tell your story. I know how hard it is to feel confident that you have skills to offer. But I do think the narrative is changing. First of all, we are living in a very dynamic world of, of work. You know, people have had, everything's changed. All the rules have changed over the last two years of the pandemic. Career gaps are becoming much more acceptable and normal. LinkedIn itself has changed the way you can communicate your career gap on LinkedIn. You can actually add that as an experience block now. So, you know, LinkedIn is the number one networking, business networking platform in the world. And they recognize that women and men take career gaps for a variety of reasons, to care for children, manage a health crisis, care for an aging parent. Um, Maybe sometimes you're a trailing spouse if you move uh, to support a partner's work. So there are a variety of reasons people take breaks. If if a listener is thinking right now, I've had a break and I'm worried about getting back in, I don't want to sugarcoat it. It's not easy, but it is possible and it's becoming more common. You know, what's a good starting point? Is LinkedIn a good starting point for somebody that's thinking about re-enter? Absolutely. So I, you know, occasionally I'll work with somebody who's had a long gap and they're reluctant to create a LinkedIn profile because they're afraid it's going to spotlight the fact they've had a gap, you know, and sometimes I joke, it's like stepping on the scale, right? The number is yeah. the number, you know, <laughs> you, you weigh what you weigh like this. Let's just, let's, let's start dealing with the facts. So I would say, create your LinkedIn profile. It is like table stakes. You absolutely need a LinkedIn profile if you are job hunting, if you have a business, if you want to offer consulting services like I do. People Google you these days and they expect to find you on LinkedIn. For most of us, if you don't have a website, it's your digital footprint. 
right? And we live yeah. in a world where we expect to be able to, to find people and learn about them. So I would say if you're worried about what you, you're putting on your LinkedIn profile, you still need to get in action, start filling it out. If you are looking to return to work and you have the opportunity to take classes, you could do, um, you know, there's a lot of ways to get your skills refreshed. You don't have to even go back to graduate school. It could be as simple as getting on you know, LinkedIn Learning, they offer a number of courses. You could get on Coursera or Udemy, any of these virtual learning platforms that can allow you to brush up on your skill set and sort of account for time. You can also volunteer strategically. Um, this is, not, again, not just for women who've stepped off. I worked with a, a male CFO a few years ago. He uh, was reorged out of his big corporate job, spent six months looking, could not get any traction. And finally, he said, I need it. Like, I need a new story. And he started volunteering as the acting CFO at a nonprofit he was affiliated with. And this was a win win. The nonprofit won because they got more of his time and expertise. And it allowed him to have a conversation with a recruiter or hiring manager who said, you know, what are you up to? And he was able to explain, this is what I'm doing now, you know, while I'm looking for my next opportunity. So you you need to be able to account for time. And I would encourage a listeners thinking to go who about going back to think about how you're going to have that conversation. That's great advice. And, and all the places that you reference, we'll make sure it's in the show notes because sometimes it's those just those little tidbits of information, you know, like the small business um, score that, and the small business association that just gives you that confidence or even knowledge. Sometimes, I mean, I had somebody the other day I was meeting with said, I don't know what DM is. Can you tell me what DM Mm -hmm. is? You know, and so, and direct messaging on Instagram, you know, these non-traditional ways of getting our information out there can be overwhelming for someone that's kind of re-entering to the point where they're, don't do anything because it's too overwhelming. You know, there are there, I would say, first of all, Google is your best friend. If you don't know what DM is, you're like, find your Google. What is DM? And, you know, Google's going to tell you. So you can figure out almost anything that you need to know today. There are also, you know, sort of uh, for-profit companies or nonprofits that look to help people return to work. There's irelaunch.com that helps returners. There's Power to Fly, which is another organization that helps people return to work after caregiving stints. Again, it applies to men and women. I personally am a fan of Evolve Me, which is run by two women I know out of New York and New Jersey. They work with um, women over 40 looking to return. So there are, you know, and there's also, I think, Second Act Women. Yep. Um, I mean, there's a ton of platforms, right? Tons of platforms. And, and here's what the listeners, like, you know, if you're sitting here thinking, my gosh, my tech skills are really dated and I am embarrassed and I, you know, I'm fearful. It has never been easier to learn technology, technology, you know, technology has been made so that toddlers can use iPads, you know, (laughs) like, I mean, like small children can do things. So Technology is built to be user-friendly, so don't be scared of it. And every technology offers training. If you don't know how to use Slack or other um, you know, shared workflow tools, just you know, find a tutorial. That stuff exists, and technology platforms want to make their work and their uh, tools accessible. They will help you figure it out. Yeah. And the other thing I found during my last six years is the collaboration that women the support and collaboration. I think as we age, we let go of that comp- competition. And I found women so generous with their time and information. And especially if you don't know 
how to get started or where to get started. If there's somebody you admire, reach out to them. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I have been helped by so many people and I try to, you know, extend that, that help and, and sort of not pay it forward, but pass it backward. I've been lucky enough to speak at the Ivory Launch Conference, which is a, you know, the big return to work conference. I have been in two books about comeback careers. The most recent one was Mika and Jenny Brzezinski's book, Comeback Careers. And I remember talking to Ginny and saying that when somebody is lucky enough to return to work, you know, when they've been able to do that, that, uh, that pivot and get back on track, that you need to hold the door open for people behind you. And I make it a point to try to do that. You know, I like to work with women who are returning. I like to support them. And if somebody is watching this and thinking, you know, I, I, I've done that, you know, Keep in mind that the other women around you that you can be supportive, and I love that you've had the experience of women as being collaborative, uh, you know, in your own pivot because that's been my experience too. We also need to shift that narrative, right? That women don't support each other. Right. I mean, I had a woman reach out to me that was writing an article about competition, competitive women, and how was my experience, and she wanted to highlight that. And I said, I don't feel like women are competitive at this age. I really haven't come across that. And it's pretty quick that you know that woman is not on the same. I mean, I always say, look at what the mission is for the woman that's doing the project. You know, if it's to make, if they start with saying, I want to make money and, you know, it's, it's financially driven versus passion driven. It's pretty easy to see through the weeds of who are good people to kind of support and lift up and. Yeah, but I would also add, there's nothing wrong with making money. No, and, and not I at think- all. But <laughs> but there's a different attitude. I mean, I, I it's interesting to talk to some founders that are about driving the. I, I'm going to pivot away from that because um, that goes down a whole rabbit hole. So, um, sure. <laughs> but I, I I I have had such great collaborative. Um, and it's a small community as far as age inclusion, the work that you and I are doing that um, once you meet a few people and you support them, they support you. It's a, this amazing kind of, you'll have these conversations of, oh, do you know such and such? Oh yeah, I was on her podcast or, oh yeah, I know her. And so it really- have, I have met so many amazing women through my show. People who've been guests like yourself have been generous. Like You're inviting me on your podcast. I've had people recommend guests. I've had people make introductions. My my own experience is that women have been very supportive. So I, I, I echo what you said. And you know, honestly, why shouldn't we be? We want more people doing this work. We want the more people that are excited about uh, helping people thrive in midlife, we all benefit. Right. And sometimes I say to my kids, and it always drives them crazy. I, you know, if they're worried about somebody who's, you know, gotten on the better team or, or you right. know, had things going on, like there's enough sunshine for everybody. And I truly believe that. Like we, you know, it's a very big universe. And the more of us that are, that are, you know, collaborating, the better for us all. I love that. I always say to my kids, you get what you give. So yeah, you know. exactly. It's the same spirit. These are, these are the, you know, they talk about dad jokes. These are like the mom is yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> the momisms that we're trying to spread hoping, in like the world. Even though they're eye rolling right now, I'm hoping that they like pull this out when they're like their own parents and that they, yep. this helps inform their worldview. Exactly. So let's talk about how does one start? Yes. How did you start the podcast? What were the, what's with the learning curve and yeah, oh, what I was the this. first could- like, Oh my God, I, I think I'm going to start a podcast. Like, 
talk well, about that. How long do you have? Because I could talk about this topic <laughs> indefinitely. I love this. So I launched the podcast. I said at the top of the show that I work with a lot of senior executives and leaders who are concerned about ageism. And I was writing a career article about creative careers. And I was reaching out to people over 50 to ask for quotes. And I had two incredibly remarkable women decline to participate in the article because they said nobody can know I'm over 50. Oh, and wow. these women are superstars. One is a, like a had two books on the New York Times bestseller list. One is a very well um, regarded cook. And they both said to me, you know, I love what you're doing, but my industry is very ageist. So no one can know I'm over 50. And that was my like light bulb moment where I thought this is the conversation I need to have. We we should be able to age out loud. You know, these women are superstars. The fact that they're over 50 does not attract from their, you know, just incredible work. So I decided I wanted to have these conversations. I once I, I, I decided to launch the podcast, I got in action very quickly. I reached out to a friend from town that I knew worked in the audio engineering space. Uh, I threw some money at the problem, which is my friend Lisa always calls throwing your hat over the wall. Like if you throw your hat over the wall, you've got no choice but to climb over the wall and go get it back. Mm, and I, like I, I paid for five shows and I told everybody I knew uh, that I was launching a podcast. You know, if you were standing too close to me in the grocery line, I was like, I'm launching a podcast. <laughs> so because, you know, once but you put it out- that's scary to do, universe, right? That's scary in the beginning. It is scary to do. But, but sometimes it's, that's what you have to do to make it happen. You have to put it in the universe and You need accountability happen. partners. Yeah. You need somebody to say to you, like, what happened to that podcast? Yeah. So if you have, like, if, if it's your deep little secret, it's, it's very easy. It's easier, I should say, to abandon. So by- literally getting five of these shows in the can by putting some money against it. I was like, I cannot let this money go to waste. I actually have to do this thing that I've been telling everyone I'm doing. And I launched the show with five in the can, which is a key piece of advice. If anyone on this you know, podcast is thinking about launching your own, it's a lot of work, but so I would recommend you know, starting with some in the bank, you know, you, you've, you've got a couple because you're, you'd be very busy promoting it. So that was like the quick, you know, down and dirty Genesis, but I have learned so much. I have learned um, for myself. I love working with an audio engineer. I record this, stu- I record this show in a studio and that makes a big difference for me, even though it's still a little bit expensive. Um, the, the sound quality is amazing. And he edits in the room when things go sideways. So that's very helpful. I, you know, some of the logistics, I found a transcript editor over Elance. There are a lot of podcast resources and a lot of people working. If you don't want to record in a studio, I mean, it's very easy to report, record podcasts at home studios now. You could hit Google and figure that out quickly. I recommend freelance marketplaces like Elance um, or Fiverr. That's F-I-V-E-R-R. They have a lot of oh, I've heard of freelance... Fiverr, yeah you know, audio engineers that can help you edit your show. Um, I would also ask other people, you know, who are podcasting because people are very generous with their resources. I would love to drive business to my audio engineer, Dave. He's fantastic. I would love to drive business to my transcript editor. So connect with people, you know, who are, who are already working with really talented vendors. Uh, I do all of my own, um, graphics, which I create on canva.com, which is a free or relatively free. I pay a modest fee for it um, just because I wanted some extra functionality. 
but you can, you can actually have the free option to edit all of your graphics. I created my own cover art. I, you do I a great job. My, I have to say thank that you. visuals I are love fantastic. It. And then you do a little quote from the talk and I got, if a, I could a, have a Stephanie, if I could have a fifth career to be a graphic designer, I yeah. love doing it. It's so much fun, but Canva makes it very easy. A lot of the stuff is templates. Yeah. I use Canva and it's, yeah it's perfect. It's, it's, it's helpful. And it's um, fun. It's totally fun. It's totally fun. So there's so many wonderful, wonderful tools. I host my show on a platform called Buzzsprout, but there are other well-known ones like Anchor. There's a whole, there's probably, you know, more than a dozen very well-regarded podcasting platforms. And wherever you choose to host your platform, they tend to give you information. So by signing up, I get Buzzsprout's weekly emails that tell me how to do certain things, like, you know, how to embed clips on my website and how to you know, consider monetizing your podcast. What is it like to reach out to a podcast sponsor? So wherever you're hosting your, your um, podcast, there's a ton of great resources. I actually listen to some podcasts on podcasting because that helps oh, me figure out. Yeah. yeah so, um, I'll have to think of the one that I love the, the most. It's escaping me right now, but I'll send it to you for the show notes. Okay. Because there, everyone's an expert in something. There are podcasting experts out there who can help your listeners if they want to launch their own. And what are some of the surprises that you had along the way or some of the challenges setting it all up? I would say my biggest surprise was how much I loved it because I, I got the, the, the advice to um, from a podcasting expert. She helped launch the Forbes magazine's podcasting business. And she said to me, commit to doing 12, you know, just, just buckle down, Sam, doing 12. And if you get to 12 and you're, you're, you know, you're not loving it and the work's too overwhelming, just say, you know, Thanks for listening to season one. I'll be back for season two and then never return. <laughs> never and I was like, up. that's hilarious. I can do that. I can do, you know, 12. And by six, I was like, I am hooked. I love this so much and I need to make this happen. So that was, that was a really pleasant surprise. The other surprise was that I got my first podcast um, sponsor. It was Inbound, a, a company that I admire, Kendra. I reached out to them about maybe writing a blog post for their website and they set up a t you know, time to Zoom and they said, we actually want to sponsor your show. And I almost fell over because I was hoping to just write a blog post for them. And then they came on to be my season two sponsor. They sponsored, I think, 16 shows. It was incredible. And then I thought, this is going to be so easy. And it turns out it's a lot harder to get other sponsors. You know, you really do need to put some work in. But it was a surprise that I could actually help support the show through sponsors. So that was a very pleasant surprise, not a bad one. I don't think I've had any bad surprises. Well, I think too, going to women collaborating, because I know Kendra and Bossa Bar, which is another sponsor of your um, yes. website. And she was on Brand 50 last month, Julie Gordon White. And again, it's it's noticing those brands and those brands, smaller brands are really looking for unique uh, marketing channels that aren't utilized Absolutely. And here's the thing about my show. I mean, I have a very um, dedicated and loyal listenership. They're really active. I, you know, my, I send a newsletter every week that basically just lets people know new shows dropped. And I usually include some fun links or resources that maybe support the, the theme of that week's particular show. And I have like a 54% open rate, which is high. You know, people are engaged with the show. And if you are Kendra, which is creating um, products to help people with menopause, if you are Bossa Bars, which is 
create an energy bar specifically targeted to menopausal women, you need to be where menopausal women are. And my show, even though it's small, really is talking to that audience. That's my audience is all women who would benefit from these products. So I think it's a really smart marketing mix to, to include even smaller shows. I mean, I, I, I'm working on growing my scale and reach. I would love to be in more people's ears because I, I know from hearing from my listeners how much value they get from one feeling seen and inspired by the stories of the women on my show. But I also host um, experts that help you thrive in midlife. So I'm talking to doctors and sex experts and fitness experts and nutrition experts who have just incredible knowledge that helps uh, support you um, in your 40s, 50s, 60s, and beyond. So there is an opportunity to make a business of something, even if it's a small one. I don't need to be you know, the biggest, biggest podcast out there, but it, you, you still can um, make it work even if you're smaller and focused on a niche audience that is passionate. Right. And where do you find your guests? You know, I find them all over. I've been very lucky that guests will refer guests. I started receiving inbound pitches the second week the show launched. So people reach out to me. They, They are looking for shows that are talking to this audience. And oftentimes I'll just go in search of them. I use LinkedIn all the time because LinkedIn, you know, everyone's on it. And so you're able to, and here's, this is a tip for your listeners, reaching out to somebody over LinkedIn, I believe is far more effective than email. Because if I drop into your inbox and ask you to be on my show, you then need to take the step of figuring out if I'm credible, right? Like you need to go look me up and like check out all my stuff. But if you're in-mailing somebody through LinkedIn, they can look at your profile. They can see that I used to work at CNN. They can see that I used to work in the United States Senate. You know, They can see that I've got a master's in broadcast journalism. They're not figuring that out from my email. So it's, it's a great way. Uh, LinkedIn is an incredible way of letting people... If, people vet you uh, quickly yeah. to figure out if there's credibility around what it is that you want to do together. What are some of the guests, you know, that have really stood out to you? I always talk about Karen Ducasse, who is a novelist. She wrote the last uh, book party and she had a job where she was doing writing work for the United Nations, but she decided she wanted something creative. She wound up writing a novel, getting it sold and published um, around the age of 50. She got it sold at 54 and I think published at 56. And she said something on the show that I think about every single time I record. And she said, um, getting to midlife means giving yourself permission. And she finally sat down to write her novel when the fear of not doing it well was replaced by the fear of not doing it at all. And the moment she said that, it was like a lightning bolt because I just felt like, yes, you know, I, I do. I I have been stopped in my life by things I'm afraid of. You know, I'm afraid yeah. of trying new things. I'm afraid of not you know, succeeding. Um, I'm afraid of failing. And I've gotten to the stage of my life where I don't care. I was about to say something off color, but like, <laughs> I, I don't give a, you know, and you guys can figure out what I was going to say. Because I, I don't. I I am excited about what I want to try. I am not letting failure or that you know, I'm giving myself permission to do the things I want to do. So that is something that I just absolutely love. But I I love every guest that comes on my show, including you, Stephanie. And when I oh. you know I will say that when I published your episode on LinkedIn, I got some of the most engagement that I've ever received. I was like, whoa, people are lit up about this conversation. And Stephanie and I talked about changing the face of. Um, 
modeling and the the messaging that you're getting from advertisers. So that that was a great conversation. But I I, I remember talking to Meryl Brown, 13 years as a stay-at-home parent. She launched a an events business, drawing on all the fundraising and events work mm. she had done as like a PTA mom. Right. And she grew it into a multi-million dollar company. You know, I think about Angie Kim, who quit a lawyering job that she was not fulfilled by to also publish a novel. Uh, Barbara Ward Thal, who used to work um, for Audible, uh, the big company, stopped doing that, retired and became a screenwriter. You know, people who are just taking on new challenges. Um, Yeah, I I love each and every one of my guests. Well, I think sometimes, too, that we have these and we maybe mentioned this, I know you and I were talking before we started recording these, I, these little ideas in the back of your head and that's where they stay. But then you hear yes. some of these stories and you say to yourself, oh, wow, she was a stay at home mom. And I did all those same things. And I've always wanted to start a cookie business. or I always wanted to start, sure. I make this amazing taco dressing or whatever it may be, you know, and it's like, I'm going to give it a chance because that's true of I remember when I hit my fifties, I thought, I don't want to turn 60. I just turned 60. I don't want to turn 60 and think, God, why didn't I just go for it? And what's the worst that can happen? Absolutely. You know, sometimes I think that people think that's fine for other people. Like, right. okay, you could go launch a career, a career, you could launch a company or you could try something new, but I can't do that because of, you know, fill in the blank. And that fill in the blank could be because I, you know, I have to care for my aging mother or my, my kids need me, or like I, I've been out of work for too long. And there's a lot of things, that, barriers that you can put in your way. But, you know, Meryl Brown, who I, that example that I used, who launched that career after 13 years as a stay-at-home parent, unexpectedly lost her husband. He, he, he died two weeks before her first big event. You know, and every single person said, don't, you don't have to throw that party. And she did. Because Meryl learned, I think that every one of your listeners knows is that getting to midlife means that you have vast reservoirs of resilience. You know, every single person that's listening to this podcast right now, Stephanie, has gone through something hard, you know, has experienced loss or grief or challenges and has navigated them. And I think sometimes we undersell our ability to to get shit done, you know, and to really like do what we need to do. And we have this incredible uh, resilience that we don't even recognize as a superpower. Right. You know, I think that midlife women are the strongest, you know, most effective, most dynamic group going. Yeah. And I, in part, I think in part we, maybe because we're always es- underestimated. Right. You know, well, but, and I think we underestimate the power of the things we've done. You know, yes, we all those experiences of the past. And it's interesting. I wonder if I'm going to ask you this question. If you look back at the things you've done, if they've kind of led you to this and all the little things that you thought didn't really matter now kind of go, oh, that really feeds into what I'm doing now. And I see, like, I've always been very passionate about inclusion and looking, I mean, remember when my kids were in elementary school and looking at those kids that weren't included and how do we get them included or looking at those parents that weren't included, can we create a coffee or we can we learn more about them so we find a way that they can easily integrate in. So, you know, these little things that I thought were no big deal really led me to what I'm doing. And I think, you know, do you have any tools or any thoughts around how to really tune into that? Yeah, I I, I agree with you. I, I think that um, and I, I hear that theme from my guests too, that sometimes I'll ask them specifically, could you have done this earlier? Could you have launched this company or written this book or 
or undertaken this new challenge when you were younger? And the answer is always no. You know, it, it took going through everything that you've lived through, that lived experience to get you to exactly the point that you need to be. And I hope that's not sounding cliche to your listener, because I, but I really believe it to be true. We draw upon every experience that we have to, to be the person that we are today. And, you know, I think honestly, I have worked in different fields that I have enjoyed. You know, I worked in government. I worked for United States Senator Bill Bradley and a, lot, a couple of other exec, uh, other um, senators. I've worked in television. I worked for New York One News. I worked for CNN Financial News. I enjoyed and felt like I was contributing to each one of those roles, but I had never found my home. I did not want to stay in government. You know, I didn't want to stay in TV journalism. And I... I took skills and experiences from those jobs and I use them to in my next role. You know, and I finally feel at the age of 52 that I'm doing exactly what I was meant to be doing. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, trying new things on for size and 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 moving on and moving past it to try something new is exactly what you need to be doing to learn and to figure out what it is that you want to be doing. And what I want to be doing is sharing the incredible smarts and sparkle and stories uh, of women and being part of the conversation that I really think is, is catching is like a groundswell. You know, ageism is one of the last isms that's going to be eradicated. And we're, you know, it's, it's so meaningful to be a part of it and get people lit up. You know, I know yeah. that my own daughter who's 21 has shared that she feels it's been helpful for her to hear me talk about ageism, aging this way, because it feels more optimistic than maybe some of the messages that we got when we were younger. Yeah. I have a 21 year old daughter too, and a 25 year old son. And I, that same attitude. And I also think the power that you're giving this intergenerational pay it forward, mentorship, pay it forward, pay it back kind of mentorship. You know, I think the beauty of the work we're both doing is I know I have mentors that are in their thirties and I have mentors that are in their seventies. So it's this really grassroots way of erasing ageism by yes. working and together. And that's such a, you just jog the memory. That's such a great idea, Stephanie. We were talking a little bit earlier in the show about maybe feeling afraid of technology, you know, find yes. yourself a younger mentor a men who's going to teach you how to use some of these things. I, my daughter and my 14 year old, sometimes I joke my 14, I used to joke with my husband's my Instagram boyfriend. Now it's my 14 year old son. <laughs> he takes a lot of the pictures, but he will be very patient and he'll explain some of these things to me. And it's great. So find like a cousin, a neighbor, a colleague, you know, a child and a, you know, and a, even a young child to help you figure some of this stuff out. Cause that's out yeah. there. And I love the idea of an aging mentor. Mine are my, my, my mother and my mother-in-law. They're both in their seventies. They have you know done eight different things in their lives. They are aging vibrantly. You know, if, if you don't have that in your own life, you know, go, go find it. Cause there are places that are out there that, that offer that kind of intergenerational connection that we all, we can all benefit from. Right. And I think also it's important for that optimism of aging like to meet a 90 year old that's still, and I use my mom as an example a lot on this show. She's 91 and still has a tractor and still gardening and putting in her garden. And oh my um, God, I love it. I love it. <laughs> so she, you know what? Is, I would say also Instagram. There's yeah. so many women on Instagram, like Train with Joan, who's got it. Yeah. I think she's in her 80s. She's a fitness, a leading fitness star. So there, if you don't have them in your own life, if you don't have a tractor riding mom like Stephanie, you can get on Instagram. <laughs> And find people who are really like knocking it out of the park that you can, because sometimes social media gets a bad rap, but you can use it to, to find people that inspire you. Right. For sure. And that's a great way to get started and just kind of, again, start getting out of your own way with new updated visuals and narratives. 
Well, it's been such a treat to speak with you and share a little bit about your story because you're always sharing everybody else's story. So thank it's you. fun to turn thank tables you. on you. But let's let how do people find you? Um, both your career coaching and your podcast. Terrific. So you can find me um, for my career communications work. I have a company called the Reboot Group. So it's therebootgroup.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn at Katie uh, Fogarty, F-O-G-A-R-T-Y. For all my podcast stuff, you can head to my podcast website, acertainagepod.com. And on there, you'll find links to my Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And I'm on all of those platforms at a certain age pod. Fantastic. Well, thank you for your time this morning. And it was great to see you again and look forward to working together on projects to come. Yeah, this was such a blast, Stephanie. Thank you for the invitation. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. For more information on all of our guests, go to brand50.com where you'll find show notes and other resources to help guide you through the next exciting phase of your life. Please consider subscribing to our podcast on iTunes, along with other platforms, and write us a review while you're there. You can also sign up for our email list on our site to get the latest podcast updates. We promise you won't get a constant barrage of emails from us, and you can bet we'll protect your privacy as well. You can also follow us on social media accounts listed on our site. Thank you for listening.